Hello and welcome to Lawrence Forking, Kansas, the podcast about the people and the stories behind the local food you love. I'm Jake. And I'm Kristen. And today we're interviewing Liz Kiever and Ryan Bowersox from Just Food. Today we're talking with Just Food Executive Director Liz Kiefer and Director of Outreach and Marketing Ryan Bowersox. Liz, welcome to the show and Ryan, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. So, um, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, you know, Just Food is, you know, really primarily a food bank serving Douglas County, um, you know, and in addition to offering food to anyone in need, you know, they also offer a variety of classes and other programs and, you know, really just excited to learn about all that today. But uh, you know, just something we've noticed too. Every every conversation we've had with different chefs and all that. I mean, just food is just ingrained in the food seed in Lawrence. Um, so yeah, I can't can't think of a conversation we haven't had with a chef that in some way has been a part of a chef's table event or donating or doing some kind of activity. So I think uh, yeah. So we're just really excited to kind of uh, get to learn more about this awesome program you guys got. Well, I think it really speaks to how much the Lawrence culinary community has a passion for feeding people. And it's not just about feeding people uh, who are able to go to their restaurant and can afford that luxury. But the culinary community in Lawrence and in Douglas County truly cares cares about feeding all of Douglas County and our most vulnerable populations. And uh, Just Food, I can honestly say, wouldn't be where we are today without uh, the incredible community we have and the generosity of local chefs and restaurants. So. Um, uh, they are ingrained into what we do and, and we wouldn't be where we are without them. So Liz, um, since you're new to the show, tell us a little bit about yourself. Are you from Lawrence and kind of what's your background? Yeah. So I came to Lawrence, uh, when I came to KU back in 2005 and, um, I really fell in love with Lawrence the moment I got here. Um, as a KU student, I got to enjoy, uh, learning more about our community because I was an intern with our uh, state senator and and really just immediately fell in love. Um, I worked for the Kansas Democratic Party for a couple of years for the 2010 and 2012 election cycles. Uh, and I found the opportunity at Just Food seven years ago. And I've been here ever since. And it's been incredible to see uh, how much the organization has grown and evolved and really taken the idea of needing folks who need a food assistance and growing the conversation say, how can we not just feed people, but use that as a starting point to empower folks in our community. And, and we've really grown over the past seven years, and I'm very proud of my team and all the hard work they've done. So, but natively from Dallas, uh, but after all this time, I, at Lawrence's home. So. Ryan, just in case people haven't heard the Bon Bon episode yet, uh, just give us a little background on yourself as well. You know, how, how did you end up uh, getting in the current position at uh, Just Food? Uh, yeah, so I, uh, natively from uh Southern Missouri. I uh, grew up in a rural area and have just always been around food and agriculture, uh, gardening, 4-H, all of that stuff. And then uh, I came to Lawrence in 2010 uh, and started working in restaurants and working in bakeries and bars and coffee shops. I think I've held almost every type of job that you can have in a restaurant. Uh, and then that eventually led me uh, to Bon Bon which was perfect at the time, you know, like I had a little bit of experience in community organizing at that point and Bon Bon was a restaurant that was very vocal and active and mm -hmm. uh, wanted to feed people and 
you know, I got to work with some of my best friends and, um, and then, you know, when, as just with any job change, uh, I was just, you know, looking for something a little bit different. And Liz and I have just always overlapped, uh, here in Lawrence, whether it be professionally or friend groups and things like that. And, you know, I just saw a job opportunity on the internet one day and reached out to her and, Mm -hmm. You know, I think the rest is history. I mean, it's almost been a year now. Yeah, and there was no doubt she was going to be a beautiful fit for us because uh, she had been involved in, in the work that we've been doing for so many years between the food truck festival and the chef's table events and uh, and just her passion that uh, really you could feel strongly uh, about the work that we're doing. Uh, Ryan has been such an incredible uh, member of the team and, and we're almost at our one year anniversary. So mm-hmm. we'll be excited when we can celebrate that, but it's been an incredible year having her on board. So give us a little bit of some background on the history of just food as an organization. How and when did it first get started? So in October of last year, just food actually celebrated its 10 year anniversary as an organization. We were founded because of the former Dean of the KU social work department. Uh, was working with um, uh, student social workers, and they were embedded into organizations all across the community, like Burt Nash and with the school system. And one of the things that she kept on hearing time and time again from her social work students was that there isn't enough reliable and consistent access to healthy food in Douglas County. Uh, we have, we're really fortunate that we've got food pantries and um, uh, access points all over the community, but really there was, you know, we would have a church food pantry in the basement of um, uh, of the the building, and it'd be open every other Tuesday from 12 to 3, and and it really was difficult for people to have consistent access, so she knew that Douglas County and Lawrence needed a central hub for food, Uh, so she created us, and the reason why we're called Just Food is because at the end of all of the meetings, she would close the meetings by saying, it's just that people have food. Um, So really kind of a a good origin um, and food justice uh, is really what our our name comes from. And and, um, we don't only hand out direct service. We also um, uh, partner with 29 different agencies across the community uh, and distribute to them as well. So uh, we've grown from the original idea um, ever since we were founded 10 years ago. In your opinion, what do you think are some of the, the biggest changes that Just Food has seen in its 10, now 11 years? Really, five years in, we started having the conversation internally about the food bank was really created by input from social workers and um, input from board members, but we weren't doing a good enough job at directly asking our clients, what can we do as an organization to better support you? And we really started having those big conversations on um, how can we grow programming? What additional foods do you need? How do you want to improve your shopping experience? Um, And we brought in the client voice to really uh, steer our organization. And out of that, we created our cooking class program, which was developed in 2012. Um, I'm sure you had Rick Martin on uh, who talked a little bit about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But Rick Martin uh, founded our cooking class program um, and thanks to uh, his help founding it, we've been able to grow it ever since. Um, but we don't just uh, teach people how to cook healthy meals. We do it all under $2 a serving. 
It's not about just cooking techniques, but how do you shop? How do you, uh, how do you look at your pantry and say, what do I have and what can I build a meal off of? You know, don't go online and find a great recipe that requires you to have some expensive high-end item that you don't regularly need. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, what products to invest in, like olive oil, and what products to uh, maybe you're not going to get the bang for your buck out of. Um, so the cooking class program has been really revolutionary for our organization because it's also been a way that we've been able to partner more broadly with agencies across the community. So we work with anywhere from the Boys and Girls Club at the Teen Center to have that cooking class to the Women in Drug, drug and Alcohol Recovery and the First Step at, first step at Lakeview to do the cooking class as well. So it really is pretty neat that we've been able to um, partner in a variety of different ways because of that. Uh, but that's just one of many examples. Um, Ryan, I'm sure you have some favorites as well. Uh, some that we've done in, in your year that you've been with us. Yeah, uh, like the cooking classes that we do uh, with kids uh, and I think are really fun. And uh, we did a tamale class that uh, was uh, put on by Laz and Steven that were over at Levy Cafe and it's sold out. And I think what's really great about this type of work, uh, especially as somebody who grew up going to food pantries, is that this they're always with, like what Liz was saying, it's always within the means. It's always going to be things that are going to be on the shelves of the pantry and uh, not using this really expensive stuff. So it's just so tangible. And it's also a big social opportunity for our clients too to kind of come in and get to know each other and get to know us and uh, just kind of form a community around just food in the cooking classes. That's really cool. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, just makes it a lot more accessible. I feel like a lot of times people can be you know, maybe intimidated by cooking as some, you know, sort of highbrow thing. And it sounds like this, you know, is showing people that it doesn't have to be complicated to make yourself something that's healthy and delicious, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess just to take it back, you know, just because you guys are, you know, primarily a food bank, I guess one question we had is just, you know, where, where do you guys get most of your food from? You know, is it from, you know, surplus from local stores, restaurants, or like, how, how do you manage that, you know, to make sure, because I mean, you guys always have you know, you always have stuff on the shelves and, and common products that are just always there. So how does that how does that logistically work, I guess? So we have a bunch of different ways that we can get food from uh, our community. Uh, to what Liz was even saying at the beginning of this, uh, not, it's not just the culinary community in Lawrence that wants to feed people. Mm-hmm. It really is Lawrence that wants to feed each other. Right. And so we have partnerships with grocery stores uh, in our community um, Hy-Vee, Checkers, Target, uh, Quick Shop, in uh, restaurants as well, like Pizza Hut and you know Limestone and Bon Bon and Burger Stand, and they can bring food to us. Uh, so we have kind of like a weekly consistent pickup schedule, and then we also have folks who will get in contact with us, uh, businesses, they'll say, you know, I just have like a little bit of extra whatever this is. Uh, in addition to that, we also have folks who come in and just bring us uh, you know, they clean out their pantries or they're uh, uh, getting their garden together and they'll bring us items. And then uh, we also are a harvester's agency. So we do also have the ability to buy kind of our staples. And especially that's been really helpful throughout the uh, throughout what we're going through right now with uh, coronavirus and uh, everything shutting down was able to have be able to buy things that are wholesale 
to get those things to our clients. Um, and then right now it's obviously it's farm season. So we're also getting a lot of produce and um, Juniper Hill Farms. We had a program with them called uh, Farmers to Families uh, that lasted six weeks. I guess it's ending probably this week. Uh, nope, it got extended. They got extended. I didn't know. So, uh, uh, so that's extending. And that's a program where we can basically take uh, buy uh, produce from Juniper Hill Farm, so it's it's helping them, it's helping us, it's it's good for the economy, it's good for everybody. And so, other question I, I just thought of too was um, when you guys say you know you work with harvesters, how does that play into that? Because you know I've seen that you know you see that name. Is that like a wholesaler that provides two food pantries, or I, I don't really know yeah, how that how yeah. you yeah. So, have you heard of Feeding America? Yes. yes. So Feeding America is kind of a, a national network of food banks. And um, uh, so they have regional food banks banks all across uh, the country. And Harvesters is a regional food bank for uh, northeastern Kansas and uh, parts of Missouri. And sometimes when those food banks have such a large service area, they need what they call redistribution organizations. Hmm. So um, since since Harvester's focus area is so large, um, they work with agencies like ours to help redistribute their product. Um, so they are the, um, the big uh, Feeding America food bank in the region, uh, and we acquire some of our food from them, uh, but we don't just acquire food from them. We work independently with uh, purchasing from places like Highland Dairy and Cisco, and um, we even have uh, funds to purchase from uh, local growers as well. Um, so it's our responsibility to uh, use the donated dollars that we get to source um, the best bang for a buck with keeping in mind uh, nutrition and um, making sure that uh, we're being good stewards with our community dollars. Um, and a lot of that is through the Harvesters Network. And then uh, sometimes we find better deals locally. Um, and and really, um, uh, we're proud to work with them because uh, it allows us to also give it out to other agencies within their network too. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. yeah. It's good to tie it together. Yeah. Cause I, I, I was realizing I'm like, yeah, as you start saying it, I'm like, I don't think I really fully understand how it all, how it ties together, but that makes sense. Is there a lot of, um, like fluctuation over the course of a year in terms of what you're able to get, or is it pretty consistent because you're working with, you know, bigger organizations like harvesters and, um, you know, Cisco and things like that? Well, you know, the biggest fluctuation throughout the year would really be that, uh, fresh produce component. Mm -hmm. um, we're really lucky to be in an agricultural hotspot where we can get, um, you know, when it's sweet corn season, you know it uh, at Just Food because uh, we, we've got um, sweet corn coming out of our ears. Uh, pun intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, you know, that that's where the shift really changes. Um, we do have some major food drives throughout the year, like Stamp Out Hunger that would have been in May. Uh, that increases um, uh, availability of a, a large amount of food. Um, but really, other than local food, uh, the amount that we get is pretty consistent. And then how many people, you know, do you, would you say, you know, you guys that, you, you know, use Just Food on, on an average month? I mean, how many people are you, you know, being able to serve? So on any given day, we're serving 150 to 200 families. Um, sometimes those are, um, you're allowed to come to Just Food on a weekly basis. Some, so sometimes uh, those unique individuals get uh, repeated throughout the month. So our, our monthly numbers could really vary. 
and it's around 8,000 unique people that we serve a month. Um, and then last year in Douglas County, uh, we served a little over 13,000 Douglas County residents. I had no idea it was that many people. You know, it. I think one of the things that people really don't realize is how much hunger Douglas County really has. Yeah. Uh, when you look at national statistics, um, Feeding America is great for, for uh, using census data to, to look at food insecurity. Uh, and there's 19,000 Douglas County residents who uh, are at risk of not knowing where the next meal is coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has only grown ever since COVID-19. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how much um, uh, that evolves because so much of what organ- what Lawrence and Douglas County has industry um, through uh, hospitality and, um, uh, and, and tourism and um, some of our large manufacturers are having difficulty staying open like um, Hallmark. And it's going to be really interesting to see how um, as this continues to progress, um, uh, it infects, uh, impacts food insecurity in Douglas County. Yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be something that there just keeps, you know, being ripple effects for many, many months to years, um, unfortunately. Absolutely. But you guys have adapted well, and I know you'll be there for people that need it. So, Absolutely. I guess the other kind of question I have is, you know, other than food products, you know, that you get in from different sources, um, anything else besides food that you guys offer, I guess? Um, yeah, so we are a national diaper bank as well. Oh, yeah. That's that's new. Uh, that started right around the time that uh, we were shifting our um, our services for uh, to accommodate COVID nineteen and mm-hmm. uh, the shut everything shutting down. Um, that's thanks to our client services manager Jessica Cooney. She worked really hard in, on the application, so you can come to Just Food now and get uh, diapers uh, once a month for your children. Uh, and that's uh, a really great program. That's something that people we found uh, when we when things were shutting down that people really really needed, uh, considering people were stocking up and mm-hmm. uh, taking those things off of the shelves at grocery stores. Um, and then we you know we also have some hygiene products. Uh, people bring them to us. Uh, things like that. We always have free books. Always free books mm-hmm. and magazines uh, for people to take. Um, what else, Liz? I can't think right now. Well, uh, you can't not talk about uh, the growing season. So uh, on a typical year, uh, we would have had a a seed library within our uh, facility. Um, We love having our our little free seed library. Um, And uh, when we have uh, excess of plants that we grow, we distribute those as well. And then uh, folks who participate in our Just Grow Gardens um, uh, are able to, to get those plants as well. So... And uh, I also forgot to mention Pots and Pantries, which is a program that we have for folks who are, you know, maybe getting on their feet or maybe they were um, unhoused before. And so, you know, they can come to Just Food and they can get the food. But if they don't have tools to be able to cook that food with, it's kind of, uh, you know, they're not going to. Part of our mission is self-sustainability. And so that really helps our clients like learn how to cook that food. And so they can fill out a uh, application for you know, anything, plates, silverware, all the way to like just pots, pans, uh, cooking utensils, things like that as well. So, you know, so the thing we're curious about is just, yeah, what's your staffing model and, you know, and what roles do you have for volunteers? Yeah. So, uh, it does change, especially with, uh, mm-hmm. COVID-19, but, 
Uh, generally, we have volunteers that work in our pantry. So in the actual pantry are, you know, where folks come in and they get to shop. And so they get checked in, they get checked out, and then they can also just uh, kind of have somebody help them kind of navigate the system because mm-hmm. uh, we do work off of a point system. And uh, once you get it down, you have it down. But that first time that you come in, it can be a little intimidating. So we have those folks. We have folks that are in our warehouse who sort the food that's coming in. Uh, Trucks are coming in constantly. Donations come in. And a lot of times these volunteers are also interacting with folks who are bringing in the donations uh, and, you know, getting them their receipts and stuff. So uh, they're, you know, they, they get to interact with people, which I think is really great also. And that's, Honestly, I think where we get a lot of our volunteers is from that interaction. Um, We also have drivers, people who take our trucks and our vans out uh, to do food recovery. Um, You know, we can get a call. We have our consistent drivers who go out every single day or week that we'll pick up from our kind of our consistent places. But then sometimes we get a call and they're like, hey, we have extra this. And then uh, our volunteer manager, Cole Davidson, he will assign that to somebody to go out. And, uh, but we really can take anybody, anything that anyone wants to offer us. Uh, I think that we're open to that. Uh, you know, data entry was something that we were needing for a while. And even, uh, when COVID started to kind of, uh, ring in our ears a little bit, we just had volunteers that were coming in and just helping us clean stuff and, you know, make sure and sanitize everything, make sure that everything was nice and healthy for everybody who was coming into our building and then uh, right now it's the same thing, uh, you know, just a little shifted. We do do delivery right now. So we take delivery drivers, uh, warehouse sorters, and then we also have our curbside distribution. So kind of our pantry volunteers have kind of uh, moved outside and have started doing the curbside distribution part of it. So, um, you know, besides volunteering and all that, what is the best way, you know, for people to support Just Food? You know, I assume donations or, you know, what's what other ways, like you said? Absolutely. We are, um, we are nearly 100% dependent on the local charitable dollar uh, that is given here in Douglas County. And, and one of the things that we have seen uh, that's been a challenge for us organizationally is 25% of our organization's annual budget is dependent on um, fundraisers that we're unable to have this year. Mm. Um, so I'll be really interested to see um, uh, what the future of events for just food is going to be like because it's definitely going to be a challenge um and seeing where people's comfort is going forward uh but by donating it makes a huge impact because like i said we're always looking to find the best way to use uh uh, the charitable dollar given to us um and we are supported by douglas county for douglas county um and really for every dollar that we get we can provide uh five meals uh in our community Uh, So we can really uh, get a lot of bang for your buck that way because uh, we're constantly recovering product. uh, We're constantly looking for the best prices. uh, So we really want to be good steward with our community dollars. And and, um, and it's really easy to donate. Go to our website, justfoodks.org, or uh, you can uh, send an old-fashioned check uh, and stick it in the mail. Um, Yeah, you know, going back to some of those fundraisers, I guess, you know, the biggest ones – that we at least have had on our radar is, you know, the food truck festival obviously um, has not happened as planned this year. And then the, the chef's table dinner, that's usually in the fall, right? Yeah. Um, August. August. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, will probably be difficult to impossible. So yeah. Um, you know, so 
maybe you guys want to talk a little bit about, you know, you've been doing like some of the big ones, like food truck festival, you've been doing that one for, well, like seven years or so now. So, um, so yeah, what, what's it like to kind of hold those big events where I think it you know, pull in a lot of the community. I think it gets a lot of recognition. I mean, what's it like to put on one of those events? I, I, that's what I can't imagine. Well, it, it really has been, um, seven years of the event. I'll, I'll never forget the, the very first food truck festival. Um, uh, to be perfectly blunt, it was horrible. Um, <laughs> so we had no clue how popular this thing was going to get. Uh, we'd only sold a couple hundred tickets, and we only had five food trucks. And literally thousands of people came. Oh uh, we ran out of everything. Um, but we knew from year one, okay, this is something that's really going to catch on. And ever since then, we grew the number of trucks. And... Um, uh, got up to 30 food trucks last year and, and over 5,000 people attending the event. And it, it really takes about a half a year to organize. Uh, we have such incredible partners in organizing the event between the Satter Gallery team, the Bon Bon team, uh, the O'Malley Beverage folks uh, who play a huge role in the festival. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, uh, people who come together um, including the Granada and 11 Productions that really make sure the Food Truck Festival is a huge success. Uh, and, it, and it really has been year over year, uh, now raising uh, thousands and thousands of dollars for the organization annually, um, upwards to $70,000. And um, it's pretty amazing to stand in the middle of the festival and see uh, 5,000 people attending, enjoying great food, and, and trying food from all across the world. Because uh, food trucks are um, there. We have everything from Cuban food to um, street tacos to um, uh, Canadian food. I mean, we really have had it all at the food truck festival, uh, and it's fun to see people trying um, new things. And, and um, we've had some incredible stories um, about the food truck festival. People getting engaged at the food truck festival, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, it's just been fun to see. Um, uh, it grow over the years and, uh, I know Ryan could speak to it being a lot of work cause it is a lot of work. Um, a yes. lot of coordination. <laughs> that was something that, um, you know, I knew going into this position and this job that would, I would be involved with and in a more intimate level than I ever had been. And cause I had bartended at the food truck festival. I had organized Bon Bon obviously through it, uh, mm -hmm. with Cody Bates and, I knew how much work that was just in like our little section and then uh, coming on to this job, I was so excited to um, really take that on and uh, when we started planning it and you know, I was even excited about doing it seven months pregnant and <laughs> I was like, we're going to do it and it's going to be good and uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to when we are able to do it again. So I'm just, I, I really, that's something about this job that I uh, think about a lot and I just, uh, mm -hmm because I've, I've seen it and I've seen the work that's gone into it and I'm just excited to be a part of it and that more intimate level now. Oh yeah, I just think about how exciting it is gonna be to happen next year. I think um, it is something that uh, Lawrence looks forward to and, and um, hopefully by this, uh, this time next year, um, uh, this will all be past us and uh, really people get to uh, celebrate and, and uh, enjoy spring together as a community again. So I'm really looking forward to that happening. Yeah. 
And what about the the chef's table event too? I mean, that's another pretty big one. You know, what's it like to coordinate that? Because that one, you feel like you really get. I mean, that's really where I feel like the collaboration between the restaurants and all that is is pretty cool to see. Um, I love coordinating chefs' tables. Yeah, <laughs> I really do. I really feel like that's a strong suit of mine, and I really love doing it. Um, yeah, I mean, again, like chef's table or Jay's dinner was the last, like really the last event that we got to have. And, uh, we did all kind of treat it, you know, like it was going to be our last event for a while. And it was just so much fun. And, um, the way that we get to show off our community and our community gets to show us off in such like an equal way is so, uh, beautiful and powerful. And, um, you know, and I, I just appreciate these people who are working in this industry right now because it, they are struggling so much right now and they still showed up to help us and to support us at Jay's dinner, uh, which is a, just another chef's table that we have in mm-hmm. the um, uh, late late winter, early spring. So um, I, I, again, just look forward to, to doing those again because there's nothing quite like it. I mean, the food is amazing. The drinks are amazing. And it's just... It really is that community that gets to kind of celebrate each other. My favorite part about Chef's Table really is seeing um, the uh, chefs really work off one another. Um, it, you know, they don't all just come up with their doing separately in their own spaces. There is a lot of conversation about um, inspiration and what the culinary direction of this event's going to be. And it really is magical to see um, the back end of the event. I think Ryan and I get a unique perspective on that because uh, you get to hear them talk about why this food and, and what they chose and, and how this note is going to pick up off of, you know, we're going to start off with um, this cured salmon dish and it's going to lead perfectly into this next dish and, and really talking about the order uh, and flow of the food and how each uh, each course really um, uh, complements one another. Because at the end of the day, you know, it, it's eight course dinner with drink pairing. So each course has to flow nicely within each other and feel like um, a uniquely different dinner, but also a cohesive dinner. Uh, and the chefs do a beautiful job at that. And, you know, you think of restaurants being in competition and, and it's not the case at all. Um, the culinary community in Douglas County wants um, all restaurants to succeed. Um, uh, you know, they, they believe that it, um, uh, all ships rise, and, and it's pretty neat to see that in action at Chef's Table. Yeah, I think that once again just highlights, you know, what you're saying about, you know, how, you know, all the, you know, the Lawrence community is really the one that, that's interested in making sure you feed people, or the Douglas County, you know, community is really what is interested in feeding people. You know, it's not just you know, it's not just uh, a few individuals, right? So that's, that's really cool to see. And I think that's what all those events kind of show is that everyone's willing to come out and, you know, support those kind of events that raise awareness and, and raise funds, obviously, for, for good causes. Um, so another program that we wanted to ask about that we heard about originally from Rick Martin, actually, is the Kitchen Works program, kind of tying it into restaurants a little bit, because um, that's a program where people can take a class um, and then they end up with a like a food safety certification that they can then take and you know use in a job. So can you kind of speak to like the origin of that a little bit and how that works? 
Yeah, so the KitchenWorks program was developed um, in partnership with Rick, um, man, uh, 2017, I believe, August, around August of 2017. And, and really, um, one of the things that, uh, you know, through Rick's experience and through working with other local restaurants at the time, um, and I say at the time because, you know, the, the future of everything, it, um, you know, it is very, it's challenging right now for the culinary industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, one of the things that we were hearing from restaurants in our community was that um, they weren't finding good, reliable kitchen employees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we live in a college town. We've got a lot of folks who uh, want temporary jobs and, um, and they really needed uh, folks that they could rely on and depend on and had the kitchen skills necessary to work in a fast paced kitchen. Um, and so he, he saw that there was a, uh, a big gap um, between skills that people had in this community and jobs that were available. Uh, so he created KitchenWorks to be um, a one-week culinary boot camp. People literally come in nine to five for the program um, and learn kitchen techniques, um, uh, kitchen mathematics, food safety, things like that. Uh, we either do it at um, uh, the Eudora, Eudora uh, Teaching Kitchen or um, the uh, uh, at the College Career Center, they also have a teaching kitchen. Uh, so it, it, the classes are in a real-world-like situation. Uh, so people know what it is like to be in a kitchen uh, and the pressure of needing to uh, crank out food quickly. Um, and so we, we think that it, it's a good um, good experience for those folks. Um, and, and we're lucky to have um, people uh, all throughout the community who have been placed at great jobs, anywhere from culinary to merchants um, to ramen bowls. Uh, people have really had um, great careers out of a result of the KitchenWorks program. Um, and we've been proud to partner with so many uh, restaurants to, uh, to get those folks employed. Um, you know, unfortunately, with everything going on, uh, our, we, right, right before all this started, we were about to have a class, and, and, and that unfortunately got canceled. So... Um, we know that there's going to be a huge challenge for the culinary industry going forward, and um, we um, uh, we look forward to, as an organization, doing whatever we can to support um, those folks and, and what their future needs will be for for work. And going back to, like, the chef's table and kind of our events, like, there's nothing quite like seeing a KitchenWorks graduate working those events mm-hmm. uh, after they've graduated. Uh, we had a few at Harvest Feast and it was just, you know, it was just gives you the warms and fuzzies. <laughs> like, oh man, like they're doing it. They're taking those skills. They're taking it like seriously. And uh, and they got placed in a job and get to now uh, not only know what it's like to work, but just be so, uh, you know, independent and on their own. And it's just nice to see. That's right. awesome. And I guess, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, we started, you know, doing some research, just making sure we list all the programs you guys offer. I mean, there's just a lot to talk about, but I, but I wanted to touch on too, cause we, we touched on it earlier was, uh, you know, just grow as well, which I thought was a, I think, especially now with COVID, you know, I think in general, people seem to be kind of turning to, you know, you know, trying to you know, grow your own, grow your own, uh, food and all that. I mean, so what's, what's that program, you know, been like over the years? Yeah, I mean, naturally, you can't teach people how to cook healthy meals without 
teaching people where food comes from. Mm -hmm. And uh, we so often in our cooking classes uh, were drawn outside to, to show people um, um, and teach people about uh, uh, fresh produce and, and where food comes from. So it really uh, inspired us to create um, uh, our gardening program. We were lucky to have some property off the side of our building, and we started uh, creating uh, pallet gardens. Of course, we're a warehouse, so we, we had plenty of pallets around. And um, uh, it really took off from there. Uh, we decided to make a substantial change uh, between uh, we, we went from at first having just a teaching garden. Uh, now we give our plots away to our clients at no cost. Uh, so people can uh, have their own plot uh, to uh, get in into those beds and, and grow what they want. And we provide guidance and the supplies that they need along the way. Um, mm -hmm. We also have um, a little bit of an orchard. We have fr 40 fruit bearing trees across the property. Um, and uh, so we're uh, uh, able to have those and, and have people um, see uh, what it's like growing fruit trees and, and experiencing that as well. That's, awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, I don't think I realized that it was right there. So how, how many plots do you guys have then? At least 20, right? Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Maybe 30? And then, uh, no, well, 20 and then we have some, uh, we have an acre and a half in North Lawrence as well. So combining the two versus separating around 20 here and then more in North Lawrence. Mm. Wow, that's hey, awesome. Because I forget, are you guys tied in at all to that um, common ground? Common ground. Yeah. So our North Lawrence property is a common ground property. And then, um, yeah, I think we touched on, you know, uh, uh, you, we talked about just cook a little bit. So, yeah, that's kind of a similar, you know, teaching people how to cook. And then I saw one on there was cooking healthy features. Was that the one, Ryan, I think you mentioned with uh, teaching kids. kids kids how to cook and all that? Yeah. 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 Um, so those usually take place during the school year. Um, I only have only been to one of them. So like I've only been, to, you know, <laughs> with them for a year. And so maybe Liz could talk more about how like the origins of that started. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So really cooking healthy futures. It's just the the, the kids friendly version of just cook. It really um, we had a lot of folks who um uh, wanted to have cooking classes um, uh, for youth, and, and so we knew we needed to tailor the curriculum uh, uh, to work with kiddos. So it's either between USD 497, which we've had cooking healthy future classes with, or uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters, we've had big, big and little events with, and Big Brothers Big Sisters. Uh, so we really have had um, uh, cooking classes with, with kiddos uh, uh, on a couple of different levels and partnerships. And also, kids are invited to um, our regular adult cooking classes as well. Mm. Uh, there's no reason why um, uh, families can't come together at our cooking classes. You know, the ones that we do in the library, we always make sure there's a kid-friendly activity. Um, so um, really open for everyone. But, yeah, we've had some, um, some specific uh, cooking classes uh, for kids uh, that we do with those partners. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. And yeah. there are kid-safe knives. So it's great. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Start me <young. laughs> yeah, You know, the, you, you do learn challenges. You really have to change it up uh, for safety when, you, <laughs> yeah. when you're working with kiddos. And, yeah, um, unpredictable. Especially when you're outnumbered. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No kidding. <laughs> do not turn your back on them. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, other than yeah, other than those cooking classes, I mean, because you got you know talking about local schools and all that too. I mean, you guys do more than just the classes, right? I think we saw uh, the classroom cupboards. I think it's called. 
Um, yeah, so we have, um, yeah, we have pantries in, uh, let's see, 15 USD 497 schools. Hmm. Uh, so some of them, you know, they and they vary. Uh, some of them are open. Uh, some of them are, you know, the faculty will kind of identify uh, kiddos that are food insecure and uh, get them uh, set up with that. And uh, we also have one at KU and the union. It's hmm. called... Uh, the campus cupboard and uh, we have one at Haskell and so yeah we're kind of meeting again it's just our idea of meeting clients where they are mm -hmm. and not everyone is able to come to our food pan I mean we are in East Lawrence but we serve all of Douglas County and mm -hmm. people sometimes forget that that includes Baldwin and so uh, we were uh, about to set up our one in Baldwin which will be set up in the fall uh, when the schools open back up and uh, that's something that is really important uh, not only to have those in the schools and have them visible, uh, because that also teaches uh, a lot about what food insecurity is and uh, kind of the idea of, you know, the shame factor of reaching out for food assistance mm -hmm. and uh, getting kids talking about those things early on. Uh, I did the fifth grade symposium this year, which uh, is basically a big event where all the fifth graders in the school district kind of come to one place and they kind of do workshops. And we only get them for 15 minutes, but we, you know, we talk about healthy food, but we also talk about food insecurity and what that looks like. And if you can get them talking about it earlier, they understand it. And then when something, hopefully something like COVID won't ever happen <laughs> again, uh, but when something like that does happen, uh, they, they really get it and mm -hmm. understand that um, food insecurity doesn't have just one look that it can happen to anybody at any time, um, you know, fall behind, you know, get a medical bill or, right. you know, need a glasses prescription or something like that, that kind of puts you in a situation where you need to go to the food bank and, or the food pantry and shop. So I think having those conversations early on really makes a better community and also just uh, a more empathetic community with our children uh, talking to each other about it and seeing it yeah that's great yeah it's a great way to you know kind of de-stigmatize it you know from the beginning really yeah, yeah definitely there yeah. should be there should never be that that stigma to exactly. it which I saw gr growing up and I'm sure we all have and um, you know if we had talked about food insecurity as much as we did and it's also funny because you'll ask them what is, what is food insecurity and just kind of hearing their answers and uh, be kind of like getting it tuned into what they're told or what they mm -hmm. initially think is just really, it's just interesting. Um, cause some of them are right on the nose and some of them, you know, really are, aren't totally sure or are uncomfortable talking about it. Yeah. And when you have 40% of kids in USD 497 who are at risk of hunger, we absolutely need to be working to destigmatize it because, uh, it's nearly the majority. And, um, uh, we need to normalize it, uh, asking for help, and um, that's why uh, the more and more we grow food pantries across um, Douglas County, I think the greater uh, we can accomplish that. Um, and, and, and to that point of our um, our classroom cupboards, uh, last year we also launched what we call our cruising cupboard. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard about that one, um, but access is something that is needed um, all across Douglas County. And, and we knew that it was becoming a challenge to have more and more food pantries across the community. But if we put one on four wheels, 
uh, we could get off, mm. across Douglas County a lot more. Uh, so we created the Cruising Cupboard. It's literally one aisle of a grocery store on wheels. It's got refrigeration, a freezer unit, um, mm. shelves. Uh, so uh, we can take that out to Baldwin, Lecompton, mm. Eudora, um, and people can um, check out our website or our social media pages and, and see where we're at with the Cruising Cupboard and, and come shop the pantry. That's really cool. What a great idea. Yeah, because transportation is one of the largest barriers that people have uh, in our community. And um, so that was something that just had to be addressed. And especially uh, we use the example of Lecompton a lot uh, because they did lose their last grocery store. So if you don't drive and you live in Lecompton, uh, you don't have any uh, options uh, really except for gas stations or, you know, kind of quick shop type things. And Mm -hmm. so... Um, I really love the cruising cover, taking it out there and, uh, and it, I mean, we almost, the people know about it. I mean, mm-hmm. people definitely show up for it and I think it's helping these communities so much. And we took it to the library one time before, uh, COVID struck. And that was also really eye opening because that's right in the middle of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, people, there was a line for it. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Even, yeah. Even downtown, there's not really a necessarily a grocery store that's close. I mean, yeah. you know, within walking distance at least yeah um well that's that's awesome and so yeah i think we've been talking about it but obviously COVID 19 uh turned everyone on on its uh head i guess so yeah i guess we just want to talk through i know you guys have been doing a lot and it's took kind of a a, i'm sure a lot of effort so we just wanted to highlight some you know what what, you know what's the biggest things and what what changes have you had to make to how you operate you know with, with everything that's happened with covid well so we really were um our, our food pantry is great, but unfortunately, um, we didn't have enough space to, to continue to bring folks into our facility. Right. Um, you know, with the amount of folks who needed food assistance and, and the space that we had, we knew that we couldn't adequately serve um, the growing number of folks who needed our services. Uh, so we, we turned our facility inside out, and we turned our agency into a drive-through. Um, right. So we've been doing what we call curbside distributions, um, where uh, each parking spot in our um, driveway uh, is has a pallet of different types of foods, so um, non-perishable staples, dairy items, proteins, fresh produce, bread, um, and and we're doing it right now um, uh, as we speak, and, and folks are driving through, um, and we're loading up trunks full of people's uh, most needed items and. Um, each the volume depends on the household size and uh it's been a great way for us to um adapt to the growing need you know uh 49 of the folks who um visited us at the start of this had never used our services before um so this was a really easy no contact um uh, and fast and efficient way to serve a large number of folks at a time um that being said, we are working on processes and procedures to once again invite folks back into our facility um, and limiting the number of folks that we can at a time. So we're excited to hopefully have folks back in again uh, so they can shop for themselves because um, really one of the great things about our food pantry is we give people total choice um, on how they feed their families, but we incentivize healthy food um, and um, you get more bang for your point uh, with healthy food. So uh, we're excited to invite people back into our food pantry, hopefully um, the beginning of next month, and uh, be able to uh, provide um, that uh, total choice shopping experience again. 
we're all hoping everything as things start opening back up we kind of hopefully hopefully everyone's you know out there wearing their masks and all that and kind of doing being smart about yeah, it yeah being smart about it so mm-hmm. yeah yeah hopefully things can start back, opening back up because obviously it makes things a lot easier on everyone to be able to get back to yeah definitely some sense of normalcy but but yeah no it's really great i mean yeah just really really thanks thanks again you know for the two of you for you know taking the time out and you guys have been busy so uh taking time out to talk with us and um yeah for everything you're doing there I, I, we, we really just love everything that trust food stands for so that's amazing i mean really you guys are you know offering services that can touch literally everyone across the whole spectrum of age i mean everyone in douglas county can you know get help if they need it from just food and it's just amazing to kind of hear more about it so we appreciate you guys and what you're doing and mm-hmm. um especially for you know taking the time to talk with us today of course well thank you we're really proud of the work we do and 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 uh like i mentioned before we wouldn't be able to do it without um a our incredible hardworking staff b our dedicated volunteers who um have continued to show up uh despite um what's going on and just working hard to make sure that everyone has access to healthy food right now and and the support from our community and and i thank you for uh the work that you all doing and highlighting our culinary industry um the more the culinary industry thrives the more just food thrives so we're grateful uh for the work that you're doing because in turn it supports us greatly so thank you that's great but uh but yeah so um you know for everyone listening um i think we mentioned it earlier but definitely uh you know visit visit your guys's website at uh, justfoodks.org Um, and so you can go on there. It's pretty easy to find the, the donate page, um, you know, links to sign up for volunteering. Um, and yeah, you guys have social media too. Yep. Um, so when fundraisers start being a thing again, um, yeah, updates on there. Well, thanks you too for, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Lawrence Forking, Kansas. We had a great time chatting with Liz Kiever and Ryan Bowersox from Just Food. If you're able to support the Lawrence food scene during this time, we encourage you to do so. Uh, there's so many different avenues you can go down, but uh, you know you can order delicious food, beer, coffee, or, or more from local businesses. You, know, you can do takeout or delivery services. Um, you, know, you can even buy local produce from your local farmers at you know, via CSA, the farmer's market's open again, um, you know, or like we've talked with Sunflower Provisions. Um, you know, or go and donate to the Lawrence Hospitality Crisis Fund via their GoFundMe, which we'll throw that link in the uh, in the des- link, uh, description as well. And of course, you can support Just Food and their mission by donating um, either your money or your time. So check out their website, justfoodks.org, to see what opportunities are available with them. And yeah, with obviously the platform we have here, we're trying to do whatever we can to just get the word out, make sure people know about all the different businesses and uh, that exists in our awesome community here. Um, and one way you can help us do that is just please, uh, you know, subscribe, rate us. Um, you know, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at Lawrence Forking, Kansas, Instagram at Lawrence Forking, Kansas, and Twitter at Lawrence Forking. Feel free to find our pages and like us, follow us, leave comments. Um, let us know what feedback you have, what other businesses you think we should be highlighting. We are open to anything and everything, so just let us know. Yeah, and if you're a restaurant or food business owner in town, um, you know, and you want to promote something, you want to come on the show and talk about what you're doing around this time, um, yeah, we'd be very happy to talk with you. So just you know, reach out to us, uh, social media, or you can email us 
at uh, lawrenceforkingkansas at gmail.com. And, you know, let us know. Um, You know, we're always looking for new people to talk to and we'd love to have you on. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.